the outside I was this naive, very enthusiastic uh, white girl coming, discovering the, the country. And so they didn't take me seriously at first, but they all saw that I was very nice. So they supported my project. Welcome to the Athlete Story Podcast, your chance to tap into wisdom from athletes and experts in world-class sports. You are about to be taken into a chat about sports careers and related issues between an awesome guest and your listening host, the sports insider, repurposed Olympic mogul skier, and former freeride world tour athlete, Anya Balbia. Before we dive in, I just want to tease the Successful After Sports Summit that will help you kick off this next decade from home or wherever you choose to tune in from. You see, this is an online conference where I'm bringing on super relevant experts to help you create a life after sports on your terms. Uh, We cover everything from defining what that even means to you, to diving into your identity beyond sports, to practical ways to position yourself as well as career inspiration. And that's whether you want to land your dream job or create your own business. So head on over to athletestory.com forward slash successful after sports to sign up for more information and get the special offer for the Athlete Story podcast listeners. The lessons you learn from a sports career often come from what's around the sport and not just from the game itself. Sometimes you land in the mess of broken systems and power and politics and you have to make the best of it. Today we'll meet Marlene Arnois, who found herself in the middle of this kind of leadership mess around the London Olympics. She didn't just manage to win an Olympic bronze with that. She took it beyond herself and did so much more. So stay tuned. This is Athlete Story and I'm your host, Anya Barbia, former world top 10 skier in moguls and freeride skiing, now way into life after sports. I invite you to join me and other former athletes here on Athlete Story for resources to help you repurpose your sports career for new exciting opportunities after sports. After winning the Olympic bronze medal, Marlene Arnois found herself deselected from the French team, even though she was still ranked top of the world. Now she tried to see how she could keep competing, but when the leadership just simply got dirty and personal, she decided it was time to retire. Now this full picture of the broken system she was operating in and the leadership uh, conflict of interest didn't really get exposed till years later when other stories like this surfaced. All this time was hard on Marlene, but what do champions do? (laughs) They move on, right? And so did she, as you'll hear in this chat about retirement and creating new opportunities for yourself by giving first. So let's welcome Olympic medalist, decorated Knight of the Order of Merit by the French president, champion for peace under the Peace and Sport Organization, and yes, MBA candidate at the International University of Monaco. Without further ado, Marlene Arnois. Hi Marlene. Hi. Thanks for coming. I'm so happy you can make it. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. So before we dive into a little bit of your sports story and all the merits, I'd like to hear about the time when you retired because you retired right after getting a bronze medal at the London Olympics, right? Yes. London Olympics, well, Olympics has always been my dream. I started Taekwondo as a little girl. I was four years old in, uh, in Canada. And, uh, and when I was 14 years old, I was invited by friends to come and train here. So I moved to France. And, uh, and I, was always, uh, I was always carried by these Olympic dreams. And, uh, and I won two titles as a European champion, uh, world champion at the Universal Games. And, and when I medaled in London, for me, it was the, 
the best moment ever in life. It was more difficult, the relationship I had with my coach at the Federation. I wanted to go back to Canada, but couldn't get the release. So I retired in a very different context because it's something just, it just happened. And I was still ranked number one in the world. I wanted to, to pursue, but it happened. I just wanted to make the best out of it. And, um, and while I was an athlete in France, I was very involved with associations such as Amayo Pour la Vie. So I would visit hospital children every month. I was, I was always very involved. And I always like to contribute to causes I care about and inspire kids and share a medal. Because I thought that I always felt that the, the most precious value of a medal, of a victory, lies on the impact it has on others, the values it promotes, and its power to inspire younger generation. I really, I always felt that that was the true meaning of a victory. And, and I wanted to share that. I had always dreamed of doing a humanitarian mission one day. So when I retired, I felt, I wasn't ready to transit into a professional career yet. So I just felt like, okay, I'm gonna take some time off, do the humanitarian mission I'm really passionate about and I'll figure it out. So I decided to go to uh, West Africa because my sport Taekwondo is very popular in West Africa. So I went to Senegal first, then I went to Ivory Coast. I was visiting school, so I was touring in school. I was sharing my story. Did you go on your own? Or you I, I called friends. I it, it was very random. I just I called friends that I knew from the national team there or other um, people, athletes from West Africa that had trained with us in France for, for some time. So I called them and I said, I want to do it with you, my third. They said, come over, come over, just come. And uh, so I, I started touring in school, uh, helping Federation with doing uh, seminars and in, in suburbs. And and then I went to, uh, to Ivory Coast and same, I was doing a Taekwondo seminar in a club, but that was in, in the very modest suburbs and communities, the poorest communities in, uh, in Ab near Abidjan, it's called Kumasi, the, the community. And I met two athletes, incredible talents, the uh, prodigies. And when I walked in the club, it was, I call it a club, but it's, it's actually, uh, technically it's a school backyard on concrete, no mats, no equipment, they, there, was, there were holes, everywhere on the concrete so when you try to step because in the window we're, we're moving it, you can sprain your ankle or twist it because it was difficult the conditions were very very difficult and there it was 30 athletes amazing talent like i had never seen before like it was amazing and their energy the, their values they were so respectful they were so welcoming and when i saw them i said i saw two of them and i said Oh my God, they could be Olympic champion. And I started saying, as soon as I saw them, it, I knew they had the potential of becoming Olympic champions. They had so much talent and so much drive and determination and courage. I said, okay, well, there goes my, 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 um, my transition into a new project. So I decided to launch a foundation in Abidjan to promote sport, but also education. So I started my, my foundation, stayed in the country for a few years, uh, going back and forth, but really um, doing the training sessions with them, supporting them, trying to just be a mentor on their Olympic journey. And it was funny because uh, nobody believed that it would be possible ever. Everybody told me, but the country never had an Olympic medal, an Olympic gold in any sport. It was never an Olympic 
woman medalist ever in the history. So they all thought I was this naive, very enthusiastic uh, white girl coming, discovering the, the country. And so they didn't take me seriously at first, but they all saw that I was very nice. So they but supported my project. Well, everyone from everyone around, they just thought like everybody saw me walking. So I was this Olympic medalist from France, white. They was walking around in the suburbs for years in Africa, going to training, um, cleaning the floors because we have to brush all the sand off the concrete before we train, um, struggling to have mats brought to every coast, equipment, electronic boards. Uh, when it rains, there's no roof, so it's complicated to train. It's, so it was very difficult condition, and nobody could understand why I was going through all this struggle. Like it made no sense. Like you and my friends, nobody understood. Like why are you going through all this struggle? I was like, because I, I just know it. And uh, and after all this time, uh, they both qualified for the Rio Olympic Games in uh, 2016. Wow. And on the same day, August 19th, Shakstise uh, became the first Olympic champion in the history of Ivory Coast. And Ruth Babi became the first woman Olympic medalist. Wow. So that was a beautiful day. That was a <laughs> And were you there with the Of medalist? course, of course. I was I was standing I was standing by the by the rain. And I was actually doing the commenting on French television at the same time. And when Shek won, it was the last second. It was one second left to the fight and he was losing by two points. And he scored a headshot on the last second. And on the comment on French television, I'm saying, One second, is it possible? Ah, it is possible! <laughs> and at the same time, it is possible! And at the same time, I removed my headphones and I started running to the ring. I jump on him and, oh my god, he was sweating. <laughs> but I didn't, it, it, was, it was okay. And he just jumped on him and then he ran with his flag from every coast and he just like, he fell. He ran. But it was the stadium was huge, so he started to spring thing with his flag, and then he ran like many times, and then he just crashed on the ring, and then he came back, and oh my god, the, there's it's the most beautiful day ever. The emotion I felt that day, the it was so much more powerful than when I won my medal because when I won, of course, it was great and it was my dream, but to share this, all the experience, and to share all the journey uh, and see them succeed and win gold. It was just, it's the best feeling ever. It's the, the best feeling ever. And even um, at the Sportel this year, he was the president of the jury. So I was, so now the rules are completely reversed where he's the Olympic champion. He's the, always the one, he's introducing me now. <laughs> so it's, but I'm so grateful for that. And the link and the, the experience, it's, best life experience ever. And so have they continued? Of course, every, every of course, of course. Next year, um, uh, the following year, Ruth Babi, the woman, became the first um, world champion in the history, man and woman, first gold ever. That was in 2017 in, uh, in South Korea, the world championships. And uh, and they're still, they're both qualified for uh, Tokyo 2020. 
So uh, I'll be I'll be there with them this summer to watch and to support. And are they studying? Yes, 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 yes. They're both studying. They're both studying. I tell them how important it is because now <laughs> I'm back at school this year for an MBA at the International University of Monaco. I tell them it's very important to have a, a second project and also it's very important for me that. Um, they give back to the community, they contribute when they retire as well. Yeah. So I want them to prepare as much as they can. So uh, they're doing, um, for now, they're doing um, Professor Sport. they got that. And uh, and they're heading for uh, international sport management. And then hopefully an MBA one day. So they're, they're good, they're, they're just they're perfect. And, Hearing um, all of this now, I understand why you consider yourself a woman and not just and a girl. Not a girl. <laughs> no, but sometimes I, I feel like a girl. Sometimes I feel like a girl because I feel like a girl when people ask me if I work. I feel like a girl because I feel like I've never had a job in my life because I've always been so passionate about what I do that every day for me is still girly. Like it's, I still am so passionate and so driven, love what I do. That, so yeah, so after uh, when they won, they came back to the country. They got uh, decorated by the president. It was it was it was it was huge. It was huge in every coast and in the region of, of West Africa along. So uh, that's how I got, and then I got involved with peace and sport because I felt that the goal I had with my my foundation that I had launched to company them uh, had been achieved. And I wanted to have an impact other places in the world as well to inspire and to uh, to give back. And I got involved with Peace and Sport. I became a champion for peace in uh, 2016. So Peace and Sport is an organization. It's based in Monaco, and it's placed under the high patronage of uh, His Highness Prince Albert II. And the goal is to promote sport as a tool for development and peace worldwide. So. And there's a club, it's called the Champion for Peace, where 100 champions. Uh, there's a DJ Drogba, Blaise Matuti, football, football players, but there's also uh, um, Novak Djokovic, and the most famous one, tennis. There's Alex from Taekwondo, all the sport. And uh, there's Eden Nice and Baiba and Track and Fields. Uh, Pernilla Luberg, you probably know it's key. And, uh, and I just felt that. All so many athletes were involved. So many athletes had uh, organization associations. So many athletes were contributing, and I just felt that it would be nice once a year to unite all these athletes that have charities and organization and do a field action all together to give more impact um, and give more power to mess the message that sport has to be used uh, for peace. So I decided to launch a project that's called the Caravan for Peace. And uh, we did the first edition in uh, 2017. And uh, Laji a uh, world champion in track and fields, came along. Davao world champion from, from Mali and Taekwondo. And Baladzi from Senegal, they came along. And, uh, and we toured in the country, in, in Senegal, and we had uh, events promote sport with, with the kids, but also I felt it was important to have sustainability in our in a project. So what we did is we inaugurated water fountains in our sports stadium. Awesome. Awesome. Because at first I was touring and I was promoting sport, but then I felt, oh wow, 
what if we don't have water? So then it's uh, instead of contributing to the goods, then there's a risk attached to it, and I wanted to limit the risk. So I figured, okay, well, if we put water fountains near uh, sport sport fields, then now the kids obviously they're gonna go to the sport field to get the water back. So so I thought it was nice like to do both. So we did that, and in 2019 we went to Mali, and um, we visited uh, displaced camps. We did uh, we toured the region, and Mali is very it's going through very complicated situation right now and it's the power to, of sport was just to give a smile to those kids and make them dream make them hope give them a happiness if, if sport has the power it should be, it should be so do, did you ever think how can i make a difference how, how is it even possible little me <laughs> kind of yeah it's, it's it's that's what drives me it's, the impact or you know like or the story I had with Czech and Room did the two alleys from Ivory Coast. It's not the mats that I brought or the equipment that made a difference. Mm-hmm. What made a difference I think is the fact that I believe in them and I support them and I cheer for them. And I think that for them they were just they believed in themselves even more because they thought, Oh my god, if an Olympic champion believes we can do it and make it possible and she's running under the rain with us, wow, then maybe it's possible. And I think that it's that fate that pushed them to believe in themselves and become the heroes they are now today. So I always felt that just supporting someone, inspiring someone, um, a word that had a power to develop someone, and I just wanted to use that power of support and see as many kids as I could and just tell them, you know, for me it was Taekwondo, but I think that at the end of the day, I love sport, obviously, but at the end of the day, it's try to have a passion, whether it's music, whether it's poetry, whether it's maths, just have a passion, and every night go to sleep, and when you wake up, go to sleep with a dream, and when you wake up, do everything in your power to make that dream come true, and that's just the, just the word or the speech that I want to pass along. So I assume that even though it's all been so glorious and happy endings and yeah. that there's been some deceptions along the of way? Of course, of course, of course, because, well, of course, uh, every success is like, there's a the failure part, it's, you know, like, you don't become an Olympian or an Olympic medalist without losing some fights, or, and these struggles, they make you reinvent yourself, progress, and, uh, and yeah, of course, there were many challenges in Africa. Uh, there were many, many challenges uh, all the way along. There was uh, the funding challenge, there was the, the condition challenge, having the partners. And inter- there were so many challenges. But, I mean, you just have to find solutions all, the, all along the way. So, um, let's go back to the studying part, because I know that you studied journalism. Yes. While you were still competing, right? I, I studied journalism. Uh, I have a bachelor's degree in journalism from when I was at INSEC in France. So I took a, a journalism, I had my journalism degree, and then I did a master in sport management through a VAE, which is, um, they give you the, uh, they validate your experience requirements. And, uh, so and why I, journalism? I was curious, I guess, why? They, <laughs> they took journalism as well, so I guess I was just curious. and. 
I love learning all the time. I love learning and I, I have interest in so many different fields that journalism for me was just, oh, I'm going to get to learn all day and share conversation and talk. Wow, that sounds fun. So I took journalism and now I'm heading more. I'm doing an MBA at the International School, at the International University of Monaco, sorry. Um, because I want to explore the entrepreneur way of maybe finance, business, corporation, and acquire the skills in as a manager. As a manager, whether it's I have a, a lots of experience in a nonprofit, but it comes. I think you reach a point where you have to generate profits to be able to afford giving giving back to to nonprofits. So I would like to find a balance. And and I think that through sport and and all the, that nonprofit experience all over the world, I required lots of experience. But I wanted to acquire the academic skills as well in accounting and finance and marketing and management. And so I'm taking a year off this year to uh, to learn that. And um, so how is it to be back in the school bench? Oh, you know what I love it. <laughs> you know what I love it. I love being back at school. I'm like the first row, always like. Raising my head. <laughs> I love it. I, lo I love being back in school because, it's, and it's and especially doing an MBA because an MBA, there were 15 people in class. It's, it's very, it's human size. And there's so much diversity in terms of we all, there's, I think, 10 different nationalities in my class, uh, different background, different areas. Some were in finance, some other were in luxury industry, everybody comes from a different background. I come from a nonprofit, so it's the experience from all of us that makes it a very, very good class, inspiring at the same time. It's funny because I, I often say to the athletes, uh, following athlete story, that remember some people have an MBA to lean on, but you, you have your athlete story, and um, you, you're going to come out with both. Yeah, that's what Plus, I Plus, like humanitarian, but you're going to be a superwoman. Oh, well. <laughs> About a time, but no, that's that's what I felt. I felt that it was always like either you have your Olympic background or athlete background, or either you were academic. academic. Mm -hmm. And I just felt it was important to get a bit of both. And it gives the, the more experience they have and the more knowledge, the more I can structure my project and give them a bigger dimension as well. Yeah. So is that a little bit what you're looking for as well, getting a bit of structure in life after sports? Um, yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, you need structure to have to reach goals. You obviously need to be very, very structured. But it's knowledge to uh, it's it's very different to be structured training wise to reach a sport goal than acquire accounting. I mean, there's I needed the proper the proper skills. So. And what does it mean to you to be a former athlete in, in this environment? Is it something you think about in your daily life? Is it part of your identity? It is, of course. It's part of my identity being a former athlete. But see, like I don't say I was an Olympian. I say I am an Olympian because I feel that this part is that it's not going away. But what I want is it's carrying on. It's so I feel that it made me who I am. I'm proud of it because through sport, I've acquired so many um, important, uh, just the mindset, the values, the and it's it's funny because when I when I'm in class, most of the time I say, "But we do that in sport. Like we'll have like 
everything that's like human resources or organizational behavior related, for me it's so natural because, you know, coming from the sport community, you work with teammates, you work with coach, you work in an environment, and you know how the team is important. And that in a corporate environment, it's as important because you need to collaborate, to have great partners, work in a team to produce and achieve a result as well. So it all transits. And um, and I think that I bring something to the class as well, coming from the from a sport right now. Yeah. And you, you're, you hinted at it a little bit at the beginning. Your story has been there's been a little bit of politics involved in your own course, career as well. Of course. You came to France being a Canadian, but it actually changed of course, nationality. Of course, of course. And maybe not everybody was 100% welcoming, or how was that? Well, um, in France at the time, they had a program. It was the uh, International uh, Francophone Solidarity. So basically, I came from Canada, and I had a scholarship to train one year in France mm -hmm. as a Canadian. So it was, it was perfect for me at the time. So I came, and that year I won all the tournaments <laughs> representing Canada. So they said, wait a minute, we're funding, we're hosting her, <laughs> we're training her, and she's beating us? No, it's not working. So um, so they said, well, if you want to pursue your, your training here, then you have to be to become French. So I took the French citizenship. And... Uh, going along but as I said before it's really important to have a team to work as a team and if it's difficult the relationship I had with my coach was was, was very difficult and it's as much as I I tried sometimes it's, it's not possible and I, I wasn't allowed to change uh, to change coach because she was also the national director and she was also the seleccionar which and there were no selection criteria like in in tracks, you know, like if you run the minima, then you're qualified. Us in our sport, there were no selection criteria. It was up to the coach, right. national coach. So it complicates its thing because if you don't, you, it's hard to work with the coach and the coach makes the selection. And then when you qualify for the Olympics, when I qualified for the Olympics, my quota at the time, it was non-nominative. What does that, that mean? It means that when I qualified for the Olympics, they could send the federation could send anyone in my weight. I qualified okay, France in my weight right. category, so then they can send whoever. And there are no selection criteria, so they can send whoever right. they want with the quota. So that made it quite complicated. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was it was very it was a very it's a, an environment that was I was trying to make the best out of that environment, but it was it came to a point that. If I train for four years, I'm the best. I am two-time Northern champion. I'm ranked number one in the world. I qualify, and you want to send someone else with my quota to the Olympics? It's it's hard. So after <laughs> I finally went to the Olympics and, and medal, but the story could have repeat itself. So it, it it was very hard. Like I said, because I, I couldn't change coach, so I tried to go back to Canada, but with the IOC. There's a rule that says if you want it for uh, athletes with dual nationalities, if they want to change country, they need to be released by the former country. Otherwise, there's a three-year delay that applies. So France didn't want to release me, 
and then with the three-year delay, I couldn't qualify for Rio anymore. So it was it was very um, the context of my sport retirement was very different than a traditional. Well, I say traditional, but you know what? I don't think that anyone retires in a traditional context because when you're on top, you always continue. And when you consider retirement, it's either due to injuries or there's, there's always something. So I think for everyone, it's, it's a process. It's, it's a process. And there are up and downs. Like, you know, when something happens in life, everybody tells you, oh, it happens for a reason. And at the time, I was like, it's impossible. No. And then when you try to make the best out of any situation, that's when you see, oh, wow. And that day in Rio, I said, oh my God, yeah, it really happened for a reason. Because otherwise, you would have been uh, Yeah, and even like today, I'm so happy where I am in life, who I am, who, like with all my choices. Like I wouldn't change anything. And I love, like even now I'm schooling. I love the journey of just enjoying every step of the way, knowing that, okay, I want to I get there. I want to do this. But... As I go, as it goes by, like even with with the two athletes, I was with them this week and for the in Monaco this workout, and uh, and her best memories are under the rain in Abidjan when we struggle. Like now we see each other in a beautiful context of being Monaco as an Olympic champions. But her best memories, or the stories we'll always talk about is, do you remember that day? Oh my God, do you remember that day at training when I spread my ankle and I felt, oh wow. Do you? And it's, it's all that that makes it beautiful. It's, it's the struggles that, that gives value to the victory at the same time. So it's looking bad at it. I wouldn't change anything. Well, you would always do stuff differently, but it is what it is. And yeah. Here comes the one million dollar question. <laughs> oh, ooh, watch out. Where do you see yourself? In five, five years, years. I was asked how recently how I see myself in five years, and I answered happy and passionate. Because I think that everything else is irrelevant. If as long as I'm happy and I'm passionate, then in five years I'll be exactly where I should be or I wanted to be or I have to be like I really think that it really comes down to that. And if you're if you're passionate, you'll be successful. And if you're successful, chances are you'll be happy if it's a success that comes from passion. So I mean, for me, it's all it's all linked. And and I think that the most important is to be surrounded by people you love, to be with a great team, to share, to be. Some people are, sometimes I find that people are, are scared. They don't want to share their, their, their experience or they don't want to volunteer. Or if they don't have an immediate gain, they don't want to give. Through my journey, I've, all, I've really observed that the more you give, the more you get. And the more you share, the more you learn. And the more you open up, the more it creates an energy and, and it's possible to achieve. And, and I'm never going to change that. <sighs> So if, if you were to give advice to any other athlete who wants to do humanitarian or wants to do some kind of nonprofit, what would you say? How, how do you get started? Would you get involved with an association? Uh, I would say just try and contribute. The more you, you know, passions, the, the more you try out, 
Uh, I tried tennis. I love tennis now. I tried. Uh, I love skiing. I love skiing. <laughs> like you try out new experience, and that's how you discover. That's how you discover new things. There's so many ways to help. Uh, there's association. There's organization, federation. You can. Or you can just do it on yourself. Like sometimes people think they have to. In Africa, you know, before I had someone from um, when I was doing journalism. I had someone from uh, I think it was in the organization I think it was Action Contemporain or Oxfam or it was some type of uh, nonprofit organization that came and she spoke to us and at the end of the speech I said oh my God I really want to do this one day how can I volunteer mm-hmm. and she said how can I volunteer and do a mission in Africa she said oh no in Africa we only send our employees you cannot volunteer in Africa. And she said the volunteer it's for like you know donation the people that ask for donation. Yeah. So I said, oh well, that's not the experience I want to have. And then I looked, I, I searched on the internet uh, for ways to really go, and I, I didn't know exactly if I wanted to go build shelters or I wanted to like I just wanted to contribute. And what I saw on the internet, I had to pay to do humanitarian. So I said, well, that's not really the, the way I. Imp- my vision of doing humanitarian. So I said, okay, what can I give now? And that was right before the Olympics. I didn't have a lot of money to to give away in a very in a big way. But I had. I said, okay, well, I don't have money. I don't have like a structure. I don't have any people. But I have expertise. I have my knowledge in my sport, and that's very valuable to some other people. So I'm just gonna go and give that to the people. And that's what I did, basically. That's why I called former teammates and I said, okay, and we organized seminars. So I would just go, uh, I would talk to kids in school, but I would also go to, I, I went to the Federation, I shared my experience with them, I went to clubs, and then I just spoke with the people, with the coach, and I just tried to, to share all the expertise I had learned at INSEP in France. And, and that's how, and in a way, that's how you contribute to education, to, um, to the development of, of sport. And for the education, I met someone that had a um, social library. So he's based in a, in a very extremely modest suburb. And he has a little bookshop with a few books on a shelter. And it's a volunteer process. And they try to uh, contribute to alphabetization. And, and learn how to read and write yeah. at this bookshop, but it's it's very it's non-profit, it's, and um, so I met him. I said, "Wow, we have to develop that as much as we can." And then I got books from Canada. I got books from all over. So whenever I go to Africa, I could ship in books. Or you always try to find solutions. Obviously, you were used books, but a book is a book. Like you do with your means, mm-hmm. and so whoever wants to contribute. Whatever their expertise is, they can contribute if, if it's not money or if it's not object or material, your knowledge has value. So. Well, thank you so much for encouraging people and, and, and for doing everything that you do. I think it's a fantastic use of a medal, first of all, and, uh, and good luck in your you. five-year plan and beyond. Oh, <laughs> of course. Thank you very much and uh, it was great to see you. And you've inspired me as well. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't hear. You seem like a very happy and passionate person yourself. <laughs> well, so that goal, yeah. that goal has been reached. And, uh,
If you have any fellow athletes or people who you think could benefit from listening to this, of course, I'd be very grateful if you'd share this podcast with them. Thank you for listening to Athlete Story. You are awesome. If you are yourself a world-class athlete or former, don't hesitate to come over on athletestory.com and check out more free stuff and resources to help you thrive in and benefit from your sports career. Dare to prepare. Then get yourself out there. Stay in touch.